Hello, everyone, and welcome to Who Knew, a podcast from Northwestern's Pride Alumni Club. We call ourselves New Pack. I'm Alicia Gomez Shaw. I use they, them pronouns. I'm a fellow Wildcat and a current member of the New Pack board. On this podcast, we'll be bringing you stories of other Northwestern alumni, centering on their identities as members of the queer community and on their lives after Northwestern. By queer, we're specifically referring to all in the LGBTIAQ and Two-Spirit Plus family. For brevity, we and our guests may use our reclaimed vernacular, queer. I'm so happy we can share this time together to celebrate the voices and stories of our fellow Wildcats. Your host for this podcast will be Len Ayakinta, who uses he, him pronouns, and who is also a member of the New Pack board. Today, I'm interviewing James Andrew Elsie II, MD. Dr. Elsie is a champion of MHS Genesis. He's the clinical functional champion of this particular outfit, and we're going to talk about what that means a little bit later. He works in the Defense Health Agency in the Department of Defense. He's a double Northwestern graduate, and he's here with me today to talk about his amazing career, which uh, started in ROTC and dancing at Northwestern, which he still does, and his 22 years of active military service. Doctor, I I understand that uh, this was mainly during the era of don't ask, don't tell. What was that like? It was fascinating. So uh, I started ROTC and don't ask, don't tell didn't exist. Um, And by the time I graduated Northwestern, it was in place. So as I went into medical school, I kind of had to go back into the closet. Um, And then during residency, I had to try to figure out how to maneuver that space because I'd met somebody during medical school and we actually moved up to San Diego together. And my first year as an intern, I I really kind of was really kind of in the closet at at work and moved far away from the hospital. So I wouldn't run into people um, that I was working with. And when you know it, though, my second year in the Navy on active duty, I was living much closer to the people that I worked with. So I had to figure out how was I going to maneuver this? And I, I basically made it a point to kind of try the waters with the younger generation of officers first, and they all seemed fine with it. And then I kind of talked to my peers. And the way it happened would be that if they talked about what they did for the weekend, to me, you're inviting me to talk about what I did for the weekend. Of course, I would not use any pronouns. And the smart people figured it out, what I was trying to not say to them. But I always made sure that my commanding officer, who had the ability to really get me in trouble, he always had plausible deniability. So I never had that conversation with the person that could really throw the book at me, so to speak. Wow. It makes my experiences over my 77 years seem trivial. Where did you get the stamina to do it, James? You know, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, and my parents are both educators. And they just told me, you got to fight for what you want. Make sure you know the rules. And if someone says you can't do something, go back and ask them, like, show me the rule. Now, I said at the beginning that you are a double uh, Northwestern alumnus. Want to tell us about that? Yeah, so I did my undergrad in computer studies. So that's the liberal arts version of computer science that Northwestern has. I believe that major is still around. I think it's changed the names a little bit. Um, So I did the liberal arts, but then all the computer classes. Went off to medical school and then 
almost what, 15 years after medical school, I went back and did my master's in medical informatics. So medical informatics is the actual marrying of the IT side or the computer side and the medical side. So I literally have kind of gone back and used both of my previous majors for that third major. And that's where I landed with my current job. Most people would consider that curriculum amazing punishment. Uh, (laughs) Did you have any clue about going into the the medical field when you were an undergrad in ROTC? Yes, I actually realized, I think it was my sophomore year in high school that I wanted to be a doctor. And that was actually one of the reasons I chose Northwestern. I figured that their medical school, because they had a medical school, their pre-med program should set me up very well to go into medical. ROTC is not generally meant to get doctors. It's meant to go get ship drivers and pilots. They kept telling me my first couple of years that that wasn't going to be an option. Then my end of my sophomore year, somebody ahead of me, Dr. Kill, got the scholarship to go to medical school. And it was like, see, I want to do what he's doing. So away I went. Wow, that's quite a story. What drew you to Northwestern to begin with? Just the the medical school part or something else? Three things. One was the medical school. A second thing was actually the major for computer studies. I had started getting interested in computers in high school. Granted, back then it was the uh, Tandy Radio Shack computers was about all we had in the schools because no one really had a personal computer at home yet. And then the third thing was the marching band. So I had done marching band in high school, including being drum major. And I said, you know what? I want to go to a school that has a marching band. So where was high school? David Lipscomb um, High School in Nashville. But you heard about Northwestern in Nashville. How did that happen? (laughs) I did pretty well in my PSATs. And so I started getting a lot of information as a minority child in in the South. A lot of schools came after me and Northwestern was one. And I saw their brochure and I said, that's where I want to go. Now, you have a dance career, and I know many physicians who have interesting avocations to keep themselves sane, but I don't know any others that have a dance career. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So my uh, soft freshman year for the Dolphin Show um, at Northwestern, it was Best Little Horror House, I believe it was. And one of my fraternity brothers was in the show, and they needed people to usher. So I came and ushered, and... I ushered a couple of shows, actually. And then one show, I got to sit backstage and I was watching the dancing. And I said, you know what? I could probably do that. So then I auditioned, very bold. I auditioned for the WAMU show and got in as a dancer, having never actually had a dance, formal dance lesson. My mom had taught me some basic ballroom moves. And then marching band, of course, is movement to music. But that was kind of what started the dancing bug with me. My sophomore year, they did my one and only, which is a tap musical. And I said, you know what? That sounds like fun. So I enrolled in TAP at Northwestern as a you know half credit class and actually made it as one of the supporting cast for my one and only. Junior year, I took off because of studying for the MCATs. And then senior year, I came back and did WAMU again. I also did graffiti dancers, I think three years. I don't think I did my freshman year, but at least three years I did graffiti dancers at Northwestern. So then when I went to medical school, my dean of students said that uh, there's a high burnout in medicine. You really need to pick a habit and keep with it. Something you can do to keep sane. And so dance became that for me. So when I went out to San Diego, I, uh, my freshman year, my boyfriend at the time, he had a friend who wanted to go take dance class. So I said, sure, why not? So I started taking dance class. And then when I went on the ship, of course, I couldn't take dance class, but I taught aerobics. So I did four different deployments. And every deployment, I did teach aerobics as my dance outlet. Eventually, the, t- the teacher was at, um, back in San Diego, asked me if I wanted to come roll around in the studio, was the way she put it. 
And I said, sure, why not? And it was for a, a project she was putting together called American Beauty. And so I was like, oh, this would be fun. I thought it was just one performance. And then all of a sudden she's like, and we're going to be doing it here. And we're going to be doing it here. And we're going to be doing it here. And it just kept on going. And then I looked at the other three guys of which we all had biology type backgrounds. It was very interesting. I'm like, I think we're at a dance company and I don't remember auditioning. And so that got me in that dance company, which I was in for almost, I think, seven years until I moved to DC. I ended up in the ballet company in, D- in San Diego. And when I moved to DC, I was at a loss at first. I didn't have any outlets. And then I ended up in DC Cowboys, which is a group that was is now um, gone, but they actually were on America's Got Talent. I think they were around for about 18 years. I danced the last four years. Um, and then I ended up with the Gaiman's Course of Washington as one of the two main choreographers and as the dance captain. And that's where I am now. Well, I'm pretty sure I saw you perform in WAMU because I've been a regular at WAMU for a very long time. And I was back around this part of the country then. And I would not be surprised if I had applauded you back then. Now, when you waltzed into WAMU, having no experience in dancing, that was one thing. But when you strode into an operating room for the first time, I think you probably did have some experience beforehand. Do you want to tell me, do you have any connection? You have a desk job with medical informatics and and the Genesis program, which I want you to explain to us. It's a very interesting name, but it's not what you think it means. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I did my medical school at East Tennessee State University um, in Johnson City, Tennessee, then went into my residency program out in San Diego with the Navy. So that was my formal coming on to active duty um, was after medical school. I did my internship, then I did two years on a ship, came back into my residency, then went back to a ship for two years where I was in charge of the ICU on the ship. And then I came back and did four years where I was doing probably about 50% clinical and then 50% admin in a family medicine clinic, had my own panel of patients. And then they found out that I'd been in San Diego for 11 years and told me that I had to move. And so that's when I came to DC. That's when I did more about 90% admin ever since I've been in DC. Other than there was a, I guess it was a three-year stint where I was with the residency program, doing full scope inpatient, outpatient, delivering babies, doing a little bit of everything. I ended up kind of backdooring my way into the CMIO job for the Navy Medicine. So the Chief Medical Informatics Officer. So we've heard of the CIO. This is the CMIO. So in healthcare, we kind of partner together where one is really all about the IT and the other is the informatics side or how do you apply that IT um, to the healthcare arena. And that's when the Department of Defense started going down the process of going from a government electronic health record to a commercial off-the-shelf record. And so I started kind of shepherding that through back in 2013 the requirements process, and then selecting the the product from the commercial arena. And now we're in the deployment phase. And so this will be for all of our fixed facilities, our our brick and mortar hospitals and clinics around the world for the Department of Defense. Um, We're supposed to finish the end of 2023. And also the VA has joined us now and the Coast Guard. So you have three different segments of the federal government that will all be using not just the same record, but in terms of like the same product but it's literally the same record. And so I'm the chief physician right now, or the clinical functional champion of that for the Department of Defense, working closely with the Coast Guard and the VA to make sure that our voices are heard from the clinical side of this is how we want the system configured. That's uh, foundational to the whole thing working for the physicians to be able to use it and understand it and that it meets all their needs. Uh, I can't think of a more responsible and important job. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm most impressed with the pressure that you must work under. I, I think you, you need to keep dancing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, why is this important to the individual service person? 
So for the individual service person, historically, we had one outpatient record, but all of our inpatient records through our facilities were different in terms of they weren't linked. And the inpatient and the outpatient weren't linked. Now we have one record, inpatient, outpatient, that is all linked. So no matter where you're going, if it's one of our clinics or our our hospitals, all of the information is going to the same spot. But then as you transition, most of us will transition to being veterans. As you transition to having a VA benefit, the VA will be using the exact same record as opposed to the Department of Defense having to put it onto a, a CD or upload it into a large PDF for then the VA to try to digest it. It'll just be the exact same record. Well, that sounds terrific. It sounds definitely what we should have in the third decade of the 21st century, doesn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Dr. Elsie, I'd like to backtrack to Northwestern. Uh, what was the LGBTQAI experience like back then? Uh, what, what, was, what do you remember about campus life? And what, what do you remember about academics? What was it, what was it like for you back then? You were, you were a minority student. You were a Black student. There were political issues going on throughout that entire period. Tell, tell me what it was like for you. So it's interesting from the um, LGBTQAI plus, I actually didn't come out to my senior year in the spring. So I didn't really have much experience on campus. Um, I came out during WAMU. That tells you kind of how late in the year, my spring year, that I came out to myself during that rehearsal pro- process. And it was actually one of the fellow dancers um, in WAMU who helped me with that. We did Dolphin Show my sophomore year and then WAMU my senior year. And we had a lot of time to talk during the rehearsal process. And that really helped me come to grips with identifying as gay. So it was great. As a minority, I, I think because I had always been a minority back in Nashville, even this was just another time that I was a minority. It didn't really stick out. So I wasn't coming from being in a majority world to minority world. My high school out of 120 students, there was only five black students. And the previous like two years had had no black students. I went to predominantly white church, lived in a predominantly white neighborhood. So I was very used to that atmosphere. But in terms of academics, I, I do remember that I, I really stri- feel strongly half of my learning happened outside the classroom and not just an academic learning, but just world learning. Some weird skills that I acquired at Northwestern that most people just don't get normally in college. I worked because I was drum major my junior and senior year. I had to be on the band staff. And part of being on the band staff was working in the office. So we all helped with that office work, answering phone calls. And that was when John P. Painter was there. You never knew who in the world was calling him um, when you answered the phone. So that was really neat. Graffiti dancers, we hung our own lights when we had a show. So I learned to read a light plot and how to hang lights and how to focus lights. Being on band staff, I also learned to do the jazz concerts. So I would have to figure out how to wire to mic the piano, how to mic the jazz singers, the saxophone, set up the band shells. And there's a lot of responsibility that was given to the band staff. And that really helped develop me, I think, in not just how an office works and how an organization should work, but just also that being really responsible and and being held responsible. At a time, I mean, in college, a lot of people don't have as much responsibility. I mean, starting to get a little and I felt like we had tremendous amounts of responsibility. And I, it put me in a really good spot, I think, as an adult. I think that's a hallmark of Northwestern. I, my career has been alumni and fundraising administration at uh, colleges and universities. So I've seen a lot of them up close. And I think that uh, uh, Northwestern uh, really stands out in the fact that it's stellar. It always has been, at least back to my class of 66 giving you as much responsibility as you can swallow and giving you the authority to do it and supporting you along the way. That's why we have such 
That's why we have the garage, for example. What would you what would you tell someone considering to go to Northwestern today? If someone at the DC Alumni Club, which is going to be celebrating our interview, I know, asked you, you know, my kid is interested in math, computer science. He has sort of an interest in the health sciences. I don't know what to tell him to do. And he's considering Northwestern or just Northwestern to take dance. What what would you tell a, a fellow alum to, to do? Or what would you do for your for your niece or grandnephew? I tell people absolutely, absolutely, absolutely consider Northwestern the diversity of the education that you get, the opportunities to take classes across the university. Um, So it's not that you have to stay just in your college, but that ability to go across the university, the support that the faculty gives you, but also that learning outside the classroom. And for a campus to be so close to a large city, I know I found that I rarely ended up going to Chicago, maybe once a quarter for an event or something, because so much was right there on campus. I bleed purple. I mean, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I still do interviews. I didn't do, haven't done the last two years, but I used to do interview, alumni interviews for prospective students. And I highly encourage them to go. And the caliber of student I'm seeing out of, out of DC, they're often, you're like, I wouldn't get in nowadays <laughs> if I had to compete with them. <laughs> but it's just, they can continue to do that learning and flourish at Northwestern in a way that they will find they probably get stifled at other schools. I wonder, as we wind up our wonderful conversation, uh, Dr. Elsie, what you would, uh, with your experience and life experience, what would you tell your fellow alumni about being engaged with the university or being engaged with activities in and outside of your career? I, I think I would tell them definitely make sure you keep those a handful of people that were good friends at Northwestern that you keep in touch with them, that you look after each other. In terms of being engaged with the university, making sure that those that are behind us have the same opportunities and experiences, if not better than we had, we have to help um, the university with that engagement. can be time, it can be money, it can be both. There's many things you can do to help with that, but I think it is utterly important. I know I, uh, I was actually the president of the San Diego Club when I was out there for a couple of years and very active and was even on the NAA board. It's just so important to continue to give students the opportunities that we had. Well, thank you. This has been a wonderful opportunity to get to know you. My guest today has been James Andrew Elsey II, MD at the Defense Health Agency in the Department of Defense. Thanks for telling us about your career and your dance life. Who knew? Thank you.